Welcome back to your favorite podcast at the edge of innovation. It's Disruptive AF with myself, Trigger Jordan, and Dan Halter. Hello, Dan. Hey, what's up, Trigger? How you been? Dude, it's been really good. In fact, we're not going to drag us into it, but I've learned a lot about Organ Trail in the last several <laughs> the last several hours. It's awesome. I'm just anyway, sad man, that we weren't recording for the Oregon Trail portion of this. I'm, maybe for we all of you listeners, that topic. You're just going to have to be sad and go back and watch the outtakes of sometime because Oregon Trail, that's where it's at. It's it was the big it was the original innovation. Oregon Trail, the game. Okay, anyway, we're not here to talk about Oregon Trail. We're here to talk about the awesome people that are making defense innovation. <laughs> That's for our uh, other podcast, the, yeah, the Disruptive sure. Oregon Trail AF podcast. This, no, dude, it's so good. Well, today with us here to uh, to, to argue the intricacies of Oregon Trail in the Defense Innovation Network. Man, it's awesome. We got uh, Trish Marshall here, who has been not only Innovation Project Manager for the Air Force Installation Emission Support Center, but also develops and manages projects that focus literally on providing solutions, technologies, comprehensive training, all all of the goodness uh, to the organization. So, Trish, welcome to uh, Disruptive AF and uh, your central uh, focal point of Oregon Trail for sure. Ah, thanks. Excited <laughs> to be here. <laughs> so glad to have you. So, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, well, kind of how you got tied into the innovation network, if you will, uh, and what that means for really uh, AFIM and uh, ISMC. Oh my gosh, I can't even talk for AFIMSC, uh, and really where that begins uh, for you. Yeah. So IMSC is definitely like alphabet soup. So I usually just take off the AF because it's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. On all yeah. the letters. But um, I. Actually, I'm a reservist, so I started off, um, I was active duty for a while in Intel and um, eventually got out once I had a family and we um, been bouncing around and husband is about to retire. So we um, moved back to San Antonio, which is where we're from and decided to, um, I was full time active duty and decided to get out and find a civilian job. And that's kind of where I ran into this awesome job posting on USA jobs. It was like, we need innovation and something. And I was like, Oh, that sounds interesting. So I threw my name in the hat and uh, got connected and interviewed and found this like unicorn of a job is what I call it because it's, from leadership to the airmen who are putting ideas out there, it's really like an enterprise approach of trying to make the installation and mission support groups better. And so um, we have wide lanes to go run after things and projects and great team to spitball things off of to figure out how to get to yes. Yeah, so tell me a little bit, like I'm curious, I, I don't think that I've actually engaged directly with IMSC at all or, or any of their products and maybe partially that's because I tend to be on, you know, in tenant units um, on, you know, as I'm an Intel person myself. So we, we tend to be on like army bases and stuff. Can you just give us an overview really quick of what, what kind of the IMSC domain entails. And so the, you know, that might give us an idea of what, what lanes you've been pursuing with, with the, in the innovation realm. Sure. We always like to say that for Installation and Mission Support Center is what IMSC stands for. And we really focus on the mission support group. That's kind of our sweet spot there. So that includes civil engineers, includes the defenders. It includes services and contracting. Then underneath them, there's the firefighters, there's EOD, there's chaplains. So there's just all these layers. So we like to think when you think of a base, that's us. So like, you know, we're not 
maintainers, we're not the pilots, we're not, um, you know, kind of that ops side of the house, we're everything to enable people to get after their mission on the base. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. So with, I mean, I mean, within those, I mean, clearly there's a lot of, there's a lot of room for, for innovation. Do you, do you want to touch on really quick what, what some of the specific uh, innovation like that, that you're excited about your, your organization pursuing or that you've been, you've been managing personally? Yeah, so we stood up uh, in 2019 and we kind of took a spin off of Shark Tank and did this thing called the Innovation Rodeo. And we always joke that it has a Texas twang because we're down in San Antonio. And we actually just did a call out an idea scale for airmen in the mission support group that could come up with ideas that could be executable in under two years. And from there, we had some top three ideas and we didn't really have any like perimeters. So it was just as long as it fell within the MSG and it voted well on idea scale. And so some of those ideas were a app for updating the way people get information on social events at USAFA. So it had, a, you know, the commandant and a cadet come out and present it. We have a app that's gonna help the core. So the contracting officers get better data on what contracts are being serviced on base. And those were kind of the first year projects. For the second year, we actually had another app. There's always a big demand signal for technology improvements to help uh, dual working or single parents or parents to get their child's um, spot sublet into a fluid process. Right now, I guess when people are trying to get ideas or get um, childcare positions, that they can like sublease out, they'll post something on Facebook. So now they're coming up with a standardized process to help come after and you know help airmen find spots that they can like put their kids in temporarily. And then another project they're doing is a Roomba for the Air Force while on the airfield. So allowing the mowers to go out and you know maintain the fields while at night. So you're lo lowering the hazard duty with you know bash and then the other one is for augmented reality to look for like cables and wiring underground. And so uh, those are kind of like different areas across the different centers that we have within IMSC. So that one, the first one was in services, the second one was in CE, and third one also is in CE. And so those ideas kind of just show like the like variety of ideas that airmen are bringing together to support the mission support. Yeah, and these are all the the another interesting thing about these is that, um, and it makes me think of the the necessity for human being human centered and, and introducing like human centered design into these into these processes is the fact that all of these are the domain of you know the mission support group or or the the subsets CE the services or defenders, um, but the actual customers are you know people who might not even be aware of who is overall administering those processes uh which kind of speaks to the need for like you described a, a process for getting those ideas from airmen has it has it just been uh the the uh the idea scale campaigns or are are you pursuing other ways of doing innovation management and uh, getting you know getting the right ideas pursued uh by those innovation organizations 
So something that's unique about IMSC is we cut across all MAGCOM. So we're not just tied to a specific MAGCOM or a specific mission set. And because of that, it kind of like gives us a position to have that enterprise lens. And with that, when we started off in innovation, we always joked that it was the Wild Wild West or Oregon Trails, we said earlier. And we saw a need for a base down in, you know, California or somebody over in Langley to be able to see where like there's like similarities across what Defenders or CE is doing and like opportunities to collaborate. Because sometimes people have great ideas and they don't have money or they have money, but they don't have people. So with that, we kind of started coming up with a digital innovation dashboard, which is called the DID. And we were able to get buy-in from not only like the spark cells that are within the mission support groups to provide this like project management life cycle to help track where projects thrive, where they die, heat maps to show like, oh, there's two ideas that are super similar. Maybe instead of us going after two software solutions, we combine efforts and actually see how we can bring things in properly with the program offices. And then, oh, by the way, we need to transition it. So we've brought these stakeholders in. So the MAGCOMs are involved because they want that enterprise view. But then we also have the squadrons using it. So airmen are empowered to make informed decisions. And so, um, you know, being an IMSC has kind of enabled us to have that ability to cross all the MAGCOMs and say, hey, this is where we want to go. Who's in? Why reinvent or create three different project management tools that are pretty similar with all combined efforts and, you know, try to make this first stab at it a success. Yeah. How, how much is that? Has that just kind of been locally within I, IMSC? No. So actually it came together uh, at AFWorks Vegas is we had a couple day brainstorming session and we had had some conversations with different spark cells about this need. But really, um, we didn't want to create just something that would work for IMSC. We want people, because our airmen go to all different MAGCOMs. So we want that tool to feel similar wherever they go, because it's about like setting standards that are loose that work with innovation, but then providing that continuity. So that's kind of where we took it to was the MAGCOM. So then it could be an Air Force-wide tool. This one of those pieces, actually, I've heard this conversation several times um, where people have been just hungry for something that would be kind of that aggregate feel um, to everything that's been going, you know, all the projects of what's going on. And when you look at all the different areas, like it's a, it, what a real challenge. This is something that was kind of talked about even a year ago um, in, in multiple different ways. What a challenge to be able to get a product that everybody is able to use in some capacity uh, to be able to track not only the tools that they're doing, but also kind of project projectively what they're planning on doing in the future. That's huge. I mean, that's, that's huge, huge. And what it, what it, integral tool uh, for people to be able to utilize moving forward um, because you know as we've talked about several times just on disruptive AF like a, a large majority of what people are having to do is find that network and grow that network and find out who's working a congruent pro, uh, program or project that they are and how can we capitalize on banding together to be able to make this happen because I think I think we all know programmatically money wise when you're talking about building a building a program it's so much easier when you have multiple bases who have a need and the magcoms can get involved and say hey there's something here it's it's really difficult when it's just one spark cell um, so the, the you know the applicability of what that has moving forward is huge because now these need areas that that we have had and and units have had for a long long time finally will be recognized 
Whereas if you don't have that kind of unified vision or unified place for the aggregate data to go uh, and, and the projects to be identified, man, you lose it. And it seems like an individual problem instead of a systemic problem that everybody's trying to solve. For sure. And then something that's like what we're really trying to get after in IMSC is as we've matured in an innovation office and field is we're trying to be able to show how are micro innovations tied to that bigger picture? So if I'm automating, giving you a frictionless entry on the base, how does that play into the base of the future, right? So now with the, like, the did is what we call it, is now we're trying to build those metrics and data that actually have the so what, and we're not just reporting for reporting's sake, but like to tell yeah. the story of how we're, you know, maintaining and growing the gap and that competitive edge for our peer and near peer actors. And so really as innovation starts to mature and we get the match comms on board with being able to have that same narrative running on these micro innovations and why it's important to invest in squadrons and, you know, spark cells ideas, this will kind of like allow that narrative to happen with like the meat and potatoes once personalities leave. Yeah, that's such an important idea is getting alignment to what is what is the actual point of what we're getting after here. Uh, and and there's a couple of pieces to that, I think it's it's, you know, how does this tie into the mission? But also, how does it tie into, you know, the the continued motivation and involvement of your airmen? How does it tie into talent management? And all of these are interconnected pieces. So I, I think there's a lot of there's a whole lot of potential. Um, in that idea of the innovation, what was it, the digital innovation dashboard, and using some kind of transparency mechanism to make sure that we're all aligned. Uh, because I've seen a couple of people try and get after it, and really, I, I don't think that anybody's really gotten it quite yet. So can you, can you tell us where you are in that, in that process and some of the success that you've seen so far? For sure. So in the process, we just finished out our like phase one customer discovery. And it was really interesting going to each match com to get buy in because everyone has a vision. Everyone knows this is a need. And like, so what it looks like for AETC might be slightly different for ACC and what yeah, ISC yeah. wants, you know, people are worried that we were going to make it just for us. And so the story over and over again, and even when we were trying to get our stakeholder list together was, don't say no, come to it with like an open mind, hear why we're trying to build a foundation, and then let's go from there. And so the process has been um, really trying to find those people who are like willing to listen and come at it, not with their like MagCom hat on, but like with the Air Force like lens. And yeah. so that's kind of who the team's been constructed with. And it's kind of really cool because as you've seen, I'm sure in the innovation space, it organically grows. And so yeah. I will send it to one person. They're like, oh, you need to put this person and this person on it. And then you do the same sales pitch. You're like, well, what about this and that? I'm like, this is not a tool of all things. We just need to get the foundation down. And then once we go there and you're, let's say your match comes got like a ton of money, then you can tailor it however you want. But we're just trying yeah. to get that like base. Yeah, yeah. Dan, you're right. You're 100% right. And, and having tried this literally a year ago, uh, we tried going down this road only to, to run into the technical issues of where do you host it and 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 how do you, you know, where is it going to live on cloud service? And 
what do you do with this and what do you do with that and how do you make sure that the information is in the right place and not to say those things are impossible it just takes time it takes time to be able to dive into it and there was a couple of things that took priority over that so it's awesome with a capital a if that's how you spell it. yeah it is awesome if that's awesome to hear that you guys have picking up that torch picking up that's not a word that screwed that up you have taken up the torch to be able to march forward and say hey here's something that's going to make an impact and that's the most awesome part to me about just kind of innovation as a whole is that when people look and they develop something that says you know we have this problem people have started saying i wonder who else has this problem because right. we're stronger together like it's gonna it's it's gonna help us all if we all tackle this now i have had people and, and i'd love to hear your input on this is that and you've talked a little bit to it but the more people have you ever heard of the pizza rule no anybody heard the pizza rule dan you ever heard the pizza rule? the two pizza rule the two pizza rule, yeah. Never invite more pizza. Uh, never invite more people to a meeting than you can feed with two pizzas, because nothing will happen. Nothing will get done. It'll just be a bunch of debauchery of going back and forth and talking about, you know, oh, we can't do that. Oh, we can't do blah, blah, blah. back and forth. Where you kind of have to hone in on a couple of group of, you know, a couple of people who are motivated with a like mind to move forward. So in integrating people, you know, across different match comms and organizations, and whatnot. How have you worked through that challenge of having? you know, a great idea over here in pure flack <laughs> and chaff being thrown over here. Like how have you worked through that and been able to march forward? Because I think this principle is one a lot of people are walking through is that as you have an idea, more people want to get involved, but the more people, the more voices and the more voices, the more confused it can get and more progress slows down. So yeah. how, what have you done? We order really large pizzas. No. <laughs> <laughs> New York size. Oh, no. No. Oh, no. I mean, there's definitely the challenges of that because, you know, kind of touched on it is everybody wants it to be specific and perfect. And yeah. so I think, you know, it's important to listen to them, but like you can't be afraid to tell them no. Like it's, again, not going to be everything. And we're trying to get an MVP, so a minimal viable product. And like mm -hmm. if you get too caught up, and I think that's almost where we were the first two years in innovation. We couldn't capture everything. And so people wouldn't do anything. And so yeah. kind of have to work through like, well, we know it's a need and an innovation. If it, if, if the did doesn't work out, you're allowed to fail and try again. So all I'm asking for people is their time and their thoughts. And so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, when we manage these meetings and we have like 50 people on them, most people are, adults and professionals and they're able to like communicate what their needs are and we'll capture it. But at the end of the day, if it doesn't meet the intent of being a foundational aspect, we're just, it might not be in that iteration. And then another cool piece is we've um, started to bring AFWIC into this um, layer because they're going to kind of, as they mature, you know, develop that like cross cutting look, which is exactly what innovation is, even though innovations, you know, the near and midterm, they're kind of that further out picture, but eventually I think it's all going to feed together and kind of show where that future force is posturing. Yeah, that's, and man, that, uh, oh goodness, that opens the door to, to so many more questions of, of what does that look like as you do start getting some of these deliverables? Well, let's, let's do this. Let's take a break real quick. We're going to jump right back into that when we come back and break, because that's a really good launching end point of as you start developing and as you start growing, once you get that min viable product and people see the goodness, everybody wants the goodness now and it can't happen fast enough. So we'll, we'll talk about that right when we come back right here.
from Disruptive AF, your podcast of the edge of innovation. Make sure you hit subscribe and you follow along with us. If you're watching on YouTube, hit the bell or make sure you hit the subscribe button on anywhere podcasts are available. So you get more great content just like this right here on Disruptive AF. Are you listening to this podcast and wondering what you should do to get started? Join AFWorks weekly office hours call to hear about different resources and programs available to you and the rest of the defense innovation community. Tune in at the link in the show notes every Monday at 1 p.m. Central to hear more. Hey, welcome back to the Disruptive AF podcast, your favorite podcast about Air Force and defense innovation. I'm here with my good friend, Kinsley Trigger Jordan. And we are talking to Trish Marshall, who is the innovation project manager for AFIMSC. I said it right. Yeah, uh, did. The Ten installation. Points. Uh, yeah, <laughs> way, way better than Trigger at that. It was so uh, much better than my <laughs> <laughs> so I was, we were hearing some really great stuff about what uh, Trish is pursuing with AFIMSC, the in innovation project management efforts over there with the Defense Innovation Dashboard. Um, and actually, Jordan brought up a really interesting point about where IMSC is positioned within the Air Force and how that yeah. kind of uniquely sets them up to be aware of, you know, what AFWIC can bring to the table Whereas maybe like a spark cell or somebody down, you know, trying to innovate within their flight or their unit might not be aware of that. So I'm sort of curious about your perspective on where we are with the, you know, within the Air Force innovation ecosystem or the defense innovation ecosystem for that matter. And, and some of the lessons that you've learned about the importance of the, of uh, being aware of and connecting into that uh, ecosystem in different ways. Yeah. So our ideas when we first started off came from the airmen. So it started, it was a grassroots level uh, innovation drive or call for topics. And that's kind of where we saw just all the amazing capabilities that the MSG airmen were bringing to the table. And, you know, as we started bringing their ideas, like as an on-ramp into the innovation, um, like project management style, you're like, wow, I got to integrate into the corporate process too, to get this actually like, I don't want to be like yeah. a, good idea fairy and then just let it die. I mean, if it needs to die, it can die, but so, you know, you want them to go yeah. if they can. And so uh, IMSC is uniquely positioned to kind of cut across, you know, and see what else is going on out there. But then we have like those tie-ins to the match comms and up at half to help kind of see what program offices and what, where we are within the palm process and what stakeholders need to be in. Because sometimes, uh, you know, at the higher levels, I, uh, program might be updating their software. We have no idea that's happening at an airman, like an individual entrepreneur level. So we're able to kind of like um, bird dog a lot of those issues and like nuances that are within the innovation cycle. So any project IMSC brings on, we don't just say, good job, here's your money and go do. Like we walk them through this process and we make sure that those stakeholders are in there. So if you're doing something with geo-based mapping, we have those people in there to make sure all the right words and all the right technologies are kind of folded in to have that pro like that problem set possibly flourish. And so um, the 
location. And since we're, our, our office is all civilian. So it's really cool because now we're getting this knowledge and kind of growing it over the next couple of years and like able to build that network within our own center to kind of really start tackling kind of these like bigger things where we think things should go for IMSC, which then again cuts across all the Air Force. So. Yeah. yeah, no, that's yeah. an important role. Yeah. Like we talk a lot about creating an, uh, an operating system or an ecosystem to enable those lower level, you know, Air Force innovators. I did notice that in your in your job description as innovation project manager on LinkedIn, you you do hashtag bridging the valley of death. And that just reminds me of like we have so many we have we have a lot of people who are really focusing on let's make this innovation thrive in the first initial phases. But there is that like gap, that sustainability gap, right? Which I think is what you're getting mm -hmm. at. And that requires way more extensive connectivity to, to other Air Force offices. Mm -hmm. And not only that, like when our airmen come with a good idea, like we want them to do the fun part. So we want the technology to take off at their base. We want them to like nerd out on whatever thing that they're trying to get after. And we want to do the boring, like, you know, the building the bridge, right? Like we want to get yeah. after the paperwork. We want to get after making sure that the right people are in the room for that airman to have the audience to like dump his or her knowledge on. And so I think a lot of times when we go through innovation, like that, that's the like unsexy part of it. That's the hard part. And that's sometimes yeah. where the valley of deaths kind of come in. And also like airmen have full-time jobs. So a lot of these airmen are like literally doing this because they believe in what they're doing and they know there's a need for change. And so we just want to like mitigate that. Of course, there's going to be some time commitment, but we want to mitigate that and enable them to do the fun side as a thank you for like bringing this awesome idea forward. Yeah. It's almost like they're just kind of passionate about it. Yeah. You know, they're just, they have a, <laughs> I feel like I feel a Dan laughs of, it comes up every time, but, but you're right. Yeah. I mean, a lot of, uh, a lot of, the people that are bringing up these ideas, uh, if you look kind of holistically across innovation, this is a point you kind of brought up. That I, I'm not sure if it was you or Dan that said it, but it's incredibly interesting that a lot of times the spark cells are kind of personality based because you have a person who they're the go-getter of the group. You know what I mean? They're the go-getter that says, you know what? We can do it. Yes, we can try. And they do have a passion for it. And one of the things that honestly kind of concerns me about the future of spark cells is that as visionaries, entrepreneurs, most of the time, I know we're talking project wise, most of the time, the sustainment piece, these people who are visionaries and entrepreneurs aren't necessarily sustainment logistics people, myself included. And I know that that's my weakness. So for me personally, I know if I want something to stick, if I want a business to launch, if I want anything like that, I have to have my number two person be a logistic data minded person who's going to say, Kinsley, we can't do that because of this reason. Or hey, you really need to think about this. This is great while you're giving this message, but what about your replacement? Because they're going to deliver it a different way and it may not land. Like that pitch may not last. And, and I think this is kind of the, the growth of innovation, the growth of spark cells, the growth of what we do. We really seriously have to consider how are we intentionally sustaining not just projects, but how are we sustaining the, the as Dan refers to it, the operating system such that we are truly replicating ourselves in a repeatable fashion and a sustainable fashion that spark and innovation isn't personality based, but it becomes something that can, that it can iteratively withstand the test of time without becoming a bureaucratic, a bureaucratic sludge fest. I mean, that's the real challenge. Oh, yeah. Not that I have an answer to it, but it's, you know, as we're discussing, that's, 
that's a real challenge because there is a, you know, when you think about a personality base that there's a lot of people who are these entrepreneurial and visionary type people that, that don't necessarily have that sustained function to it. So let's focus on that yeah. for project based. When you're talking about a project and that logistical train that comes with it. Yeah, you're right. Because if there's not money, you know, we know the, the, the financial side of it, if there's not money palmed <laughs> towards a project, uh, you're going to have to make it happen on your own for about four or five years, unless somebody gets gracious with you and, and finds the money for you. So what are the, what, what is the way forward for some of these projects and what is the way forward for sustainment wise when we realize we set budgets years and years in advance, but what happens when there's a project that we say, we cannot lose this. How do you sustain that? How do you do that moving forward? So I've seen like the small business innovation. So the SBIR program has kind of helped bridge that gap a little bit with the, you know, you have 18 years till, or 18 years, that'd be amazing. 18 that'd months be awesome. after something. That'd be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 18 years, though, that's back to traditional stuff. But yeah, yeah. That kind of gives you some legs to kind of start bringing in the right people. But I think like as you know, the, the did or whatever dashboards out there and we start aligning what we're doing in innovation. So if an airman has a great idea, maybe it's connecting with that spark cell and that spark cell is now mature enough or has come up with like a playbook to establish like, oh, I need to reach out to X, Y, and Z to then bring that into the fold. So it's kind yeah. of laying down that path to help that idea like navigate through. And that's kind of like, so that the digital innovation dashboard is gonna have little playbooks in there so that it helps lay some continuity for, oh, I have an idea, what do I do next? Oh, I should reach out to this person, this person, this person or organization. And that's to, to kind of get after and try to start um, scratching that itch. The problem mm -hmm. is that people move, right? The military is very fluid. so. If we can build up our spark cells or, you know, other organizations that are known to get after innovation within their missionaries, that might help bridge that gap and then really line it out and tying it back to strategy to kind of like reverse engineer that money distribution yeah. is going to be important. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. I, I think that, you know, like many of the problems that we face in the innovation realm and in the innovation ecosystem, a lot of it just comes down to communication. And what you're talking about is, you know, knowledge management form of communication, which is um, like, even if we were, we just had the ability to see where we were failing in this process, uh, failing to achieve, uh, you know, hit the sustainment wickets on a project or failing to you know, fully, fully map it out in the pre-sustainment process uh, before we even hit that need. Um, I think that a lot of that would come to light if we had a really good platform that showed here are the things that we've done, here are the ones that failed, and here's the phase at which that they failed. Um, yeah. I, 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 that's why I'm excited about an idea like an actual innovation dashboard that includes all of these things. One of the things that I've said about, you know, that I've been kind of hammering on about the, the Sabre process for a while now is there there are still a lot of things about it that airmen don't understand uh you know like how to get involved what sibbers have already been granted you know is is another one that i'm like if if we had if we had the right kind of knowledge management tools that we're getting after facilitating this kind of transparency that alone would enable us to to continue forward but until you yeah. have a good way of communicating these things it's impossible to know what what the next step is right for sure and like 
with the dashboard, if you do it right, you should, like you said, be able to have that trend analysis. Like, is it a personality that's constantly killing it? Or is it because you only yeah. have like O&M dollars versus R&D dollars? So now you're able to get like trend analysis and your you know, leadership saying, go innovate, go innovate. No, well, we can't innovate and here are the reasons why. Or you're doing the opposite, you're doing awesome and here are the reasons why. And now you have yeah. the data as opposed to the emotion. Yeah, don't get me started on data. Oh my goodness. Data is, um, I'll throw this out there as a discussion point. When you talk about data and innovation, um, the system the system that we have had for a long time have values objective data in a certain format and fashion. But a lot of the things that we're seeing in innovation are subjective and qualitative improvements that are very hard to define in it in an in, in objective and quantitative format. And this is something that we're, no kidding, just working through right now. Um, we realize in some of these projects that the data that we could pull from this is not a true indicator of what's actually happening. So, and, and the system is used to seeing data in this format. So how do we create an avenue for, how do we create it? So in the subjective, uh, subjective and, and um, qualitative data that does need to be produced. How do we make that useful to people? Because there's a lot of there's a lot of times you sit down to the commander and he, he's like, "Where's the savings? How many days are you saving? How much money are you saving?" Well, sir, that's 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 the wrong question. <laughs> I, I I we're we're saving twelve days. Well, twelve isn't significant. Yeah, I understand that, but what you don't understand is that we're saving, you know, seventy percent of redos. Or, or, you know, we're, we're saving ourselves 70% of, of the time of what we were doing because we're not having to accomplish this two and three times. But th th that's another thing where when you look at innovation, like it, innovation creates a lot of a lot of its own problems at times <laughs> because of it exposes another area where we have to develop in order to be, get this comprehensive uh, solution from A all the way to Z. And I've seen people kind of... Uh, get frustrated and burned out because they're like, oh my gosh, every time we come up with a good idea, it creates one more problem. Well, yeah, it kind of does. I mean, that's the nature of it. But eventually you'll get to the end of the road. <laughs> eventually you'll get across Death Valley or, or whatever the whatever the hashtag was. Um, uh, eventually you'll get there, but you just got to stay committed to be able to do it. It's definitely a, you know, not for the faint of heart. Like you have to have that team to kind of help you brainstorm when you do hit those roadblocks and barriers because you're going to hit them. And sometimes the people you have to integrate with and bring along to see the idea succeed have been doing business a certain way for a certain style for a very long time. And it's, it's sometimes hard to break away from that because they know the process so well. And it's like, if you want this to succeed, you have to do these things. And it's like, but where's my on-ramp? And like, Oh, maybe that my I'm now on, but now this isn't a good fit. Where's my off ramp? And not get penalized or like scare a certain like program office from trying new things. And yeah. so I think you know data is going to be important in telling that story, but capturing the squishy stuff is hard. But that's you know if you go after that total airman concept, that's what makes it. If I have to fill out less forms to do like put my kid in childcare, that's better for me because yeah. now you gave me back. I don't know couple hours because it's probably gonna get lost once right so now you're giving me time back to myself which is like important so yeah how do you yeah. capture those metrics it's definitely a challenge yeah 
Yeah. Yeah, and I also think that we we lack the imagination to actually understand what 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 will be different in people's behavior when the systems are actually designed for them. When systems are, you know, like uh what people would engage more with this process in the future if we were to make it accessible, for example. And a lot of times when we're trying to capture the value of an innovation, that part, that part where we're imagining futures in which people are, you know, engaging more with the system or, or something, that's not captured in the, the metrics. We're also not capturing the very important elements of, oh, I, I, when I interact with this process that was designed for me, I actually feel like, like I belong in this workplace, which yeah. pays dividends in how, like how we interact as, t- yeah. as a team, our morale, our motivation. Um, so those are as squishy as they are. And we've touched on this in the past, uh, in past episodes, this idea of combining the quantitative and the qualitative. Um, and from my perspective, I think a lot of the, a lot of the solution here is in incorporating really good user, uh, research and discovery methods, because those are designed to capture that, uh, here's the value that we're going for and, and very, very clearly be able to describe what that value looks like. And, and that enables you to be flexible about what the product that generates that value looks like, which is where yeah. you get my MVP. I know whether it works or not because I clearly delineated the value we were intending to, to create. And it sounds like that's the process that you kind of are engaged in. Anyways, I don't know what specifically uh, methodology you're using, but in the language that you used, you know, we're building an MVP where uh, we're only incorporating those things that get to the first piece of the most important value we're trying to create. Well, I think you bring up a really good point because how we report data is probably going to be changing to senior leaders as this like MVP lifestyle or different innovations evolve. Because pe- when you say metrics to me, I'm like, ugh, right? Like, yeah. but there's actually yeah. metrics that can matter. It's just a matter of maybe we're adjusting the way we report it to get after a different generation that's coming in and yeah. like eating the need of something that is different, right? And so we always did something one way, it doesn't mean we should keep doing it, but that's like changing kind of like that culture shift or change management, really. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's so interesting you say that because I, I we have to change it. We have to change it because oftentimes it's a problem not known until it's realized. Um, and just an example, one of the things we're talking about that's kind of data connected, there's a specific project um, that is very data centric focused. And we kind of raised a flag and said, hey, one year from now, we are going to have a major problem. They're like, what are you talking about? There's no problem. Everything's fine. It's like, no, no, no. In a year from now, people are going to be asking for proof that this has worked. And we know it's worked and we know this process has been great, but they're going to be asking for data and they're going to expect it in, in format A. PowerPoint. And format A tells them the wrong thing. And we don't we only have a year to come up with a solution. And for a while it was like, you know, people were like, no, 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 it's not gonna be a problem. Well, once they started seeing like some of the indicators and they started hearing the conversations of, hey, yeah, you know, in about eight months we should have some data on that. Uh, and when they started talking, yeah, you know, we we have some of that now. And and the result was no, 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 like the those can't be the results. That's not good enough. People started realizing, oh my gosh, like we have a major problem. <laughs> We have a major problem. They're speaking another whole nother. They're expecting Spanish and we're giving them a tie in and that's not going to work. <laughs> it's it's not going to work at all. So that's huge. Hey, in regard in regards to the dashboard that you're talking about, how can people get involved 
with that because we have a lot of people uh, that listen not only just with Halfworks but also in the innovation space that may say, you know what, we're from a totally different branch. We're from a totally different organization, but we want to get involved with what you're doing. How, how can they reach out to you, Trish? How can they get involved with the project you're working on? They can't. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, fair. Okay. All right. Well, we'll see you next time. <laughs> no, they can uh, reach out and email. They can hit me up on LinkedIn. Any of those things okay. work and I'll get them connected to the right teams. Okay, great. Awesome. And that, and that's very true. If you're new to the Innovation Network, um, it's a great way to be able to get connected, get plugged into the network, find the people who may uh, potentially have the answer or people who at least know someone who has the answer. Uh, but the worst thing you can do in the Innovation Network is just sit there by yourself on your own island and say, I have a problem and not reach out to the people who may have a solution because I promise you somebody does. Trish, thanks so much for being with us. Dan, you're the best. Thanks, thanks for being here, Trish. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, really great awesome. conversation. Just I, I really liked that the idea of the digital innovation dashboard and the potential behind that. Uh, I think that that, you know, like we said, a lot of people have been trying to get after that. And it sounds like you're making good progress. Thanks. Absolutely. Hey, if you uh, if you have not yet done it, you need to do it now. Make sure you subscribe to to a Disruptive AF podcast right here at your edge of innovation. And also, if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you hit the bell right over there to make sure you get notifications uh, of when more great content just like this, just like Trish, just like, um, you know, innovation info that's going to help you bring solutions to the problems you have every day right here at Disruptive AF. We'll see you all next time.